Hello and welcome to the second All Things Mariners podcast. I'm Terry Wilkinson. Thanks first of all for the kind comments on our first podcast a couple of weeks ago when Chris, Simon, Ronnie and myself picked over the bones of the season just gone. A season which saw our third successive promotion as champions. While we're all still trying to digest the sad departures of Julio Arca and Lee Paul Scroggins and the promising arrivals of Gary Brown and Chris Hunter from Darlington, and of course whatever other surprises the close season has in store, we wanted you to hear an interview that I did with joint managers Graham Fenton and Lee Picton a few weeks ago. I have to say at this point that it was intended only as material for an article I was writing on joint managerships in general, and this one in particular. The more I listened though, the more I thought it worked better in sound. You'll just have to excuse the noises off of clinking glasses and passing metro trains. Mariners Park is a busy place these days. I met up with them on the morning of Thursday the 5th of April, just before they set off for the match at Atherton Collieries. The fact that they gave me the time is gratifying enough, but it's also a measure of how much they value the contribution that we fans play in the progress of the club. I asked them first about how they divide their responsibilities. I think we're both Willie is responsible for the, the tactical side of things. I would say in terms of the delivery of the coaching, if you like, because so, that's, that's different. Tactical is more of a, a kind of like a philosophy and a distinct set of ideas around how you want to play both in possession and out of possession. And that's something that we all agree on, definitely. Yeah. Which can also be influenced by your view of the opposition, I would imagine, as well. That just gets influenced as the game goes on. Yeah. Particularly, very rarely set up differently based on an opposition. You do keep an eye out for that, but you don't necessarily adapt your next game accordingly because they're the opponents. Adapt, yes. Change, no. We'll maybe modify or tweak one or two things that we, we might do. For example, say Darlington in the FA Cup. We didn't change our, our, our overall shape, but we, we modified and tweaked a couple of things to deal with Mark Beck at the top end of the pitch. We, we did a few things around, well, sorry, with Julio as the holding midfield player and the two centre-backs, how, how we stop him getting the kind of ball that he wants to get in, mm. into his body, into his head, into his feet, which we then adopted again against York City because yeah. it was this very, you know, yeah. they obviously got John Parkins, similar kind of yeah. front man. So to answer your original question, I think, you know, we, we formulate the tactical side of the game for our team. I would say I, I kind of would do most of the out-on-the-pitch whole team coaching, if you like, whereas Graham would do a lot of specific work with the forward players, obviously with his background as a, as a player. Uh, just doing different drills, yeah, different movement movement patterns. patterns, different finishing techniques. It's, uh, it's something that, I, that obviously lo- I've loved all my life, just being a striker yeah. and yeah. working with strikers now is obviously the next best thing. It's just It works well. And you, obviously, you've been together, you say, in nine years, mm-hmm. so Monk Seaton High School was where, where you've honed your skills at you. Kind of training ground yeah. for, for both of us, uh, because what we had was, although with the players being 16 and 19, you would argue that they're not the calibre of the players that we work with, mm. you know, with the first team here, but what you had was a, a full-time, you know, a programme that was run on a full-time basis that would mirror almost how, like, a pro club would schedule their training, you know, training every day, and you had the numbers 
of players available to you on a daily basis where you could deliver 11 v 11 training sessions well any any type of kind of session or or principle of the game that you wanted to wanted to coach so it was a great training ground for, for us without a doubt I think dealing with that we're obviously we're still working at that age group as well poses quite a few issues doesn't it in terms of lads going through difficulties and that teaches you kind of how to deal with things differently maybe or adapt again to different situations and um, learn, to, learn to deal with people and that's been really beneficial working with, working with kids. That was always our vision from the outset that and, and some people might scoff at this whatever, whatever you want but I don't think we're particularly bothered. Our, our vision from the outset was to establish and, and develop an academy that was a benchmark for any other academy out there Obviously, there's things we can't compete with in terms of level of resources and, 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 yeah. and things like that. But in, in terms of how we deal with the people that we work with, in terms of how we develop the, you know, the, the clear strategy and plan that we put together and how we develop each of these players on, a, on an individual and a collective level, we wanted to be right up there with, with, with anything else that's, that's out there. We, we certainly didn't look at it and think, well, South Shields are a, are an, a non-league club you know, currently at Evo Stick North level, that's where we're going to kind of pitch our our academy. You know, we've we've tried to set the bar really, really high, and I think we've done a pretty mm. without you know without sounding funny. I think we've done a pretty good job of it so far. There's lots of things that that we still need to develop and improve over you know over a period of time because it's still in its infancy. We've learned a lot from this year. You know, we've, a lot of things have gone really well. Some things we need need looking at and improving moving forwards. But that's that's only natural, and we're just really confident that that we're on the right path, and that we'll we'll produce something quite special in, mm. the, in the end. I mean, you've only got to look at the you know the the, the lads that have come through. You know, if, this is the exciting thing. At least eighty five percent of the, the, the academy students we've got are first years, so mm. they're only sixteen, just turned seventeen. Some of them. It's sixteen and nineteen, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah, but because we're a new academy, we had to start with just bringing the first. Yes, of course. We, we've got a handful. Yeah. Of, you know, got some lads that came across with us to, to from Monksy and the likes of Carl Ross and and, and Callum Guy, um, and then we picked up a, a handful of lads that got released from pro clubs that are under eighteen, so they're under nineteens at the moment, uh, like Dan Lowther, Nathan Convery, lads like that. Um, but yeah, you know, we're really excited about the, the talent that's coming through, and you know, we've handed first team debuts to nine academy players now so far this season, and um, I think six of those are are under under seventeen. I've been a bit cynical about academies because it, it seems to be to bring the lads through, uh, but then when they actually need a striker, they go and pay thirty three million and buy one from Belgium or yeah. whatever. These lads are then left. Yeah. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. I mean, surely the object should be the same as you're doing to bring the lads through to actually get first team places at your club. The difference between what we've got here and what they have, though, is we have an owner and chairman who is we know is going to be patient and understand mm-hmm. what we're trying to achieve. I think that the managers at the top level are less likely to put kids in because they're under so much pressure. Yeah. And that's a slight difference. Now, I still think that you should. I mean, I was given my opportunity at 19 year old off Ron Atkinson, and you need to stick kids in to see how they get on. And I think that's where we've gone a little bit awry at the top end of the game. I think that we're more likely, as you say, to go and spend yeah. big bucks instead of just dipping a kid in to see yeah. how he gets so on. And kind of, what's the point of having an academy if, mm-hmm. if you're not well, going very, to bring very, to the first team? I mean, again, the last, obviously, we obviously talked about the, the um, Man United group. That's a 
one on its own to bring that many kids through and do so well. What a class of night. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's just unheard of. We never be, about it the Do we do a Man United? You know, next season and well, and, and Matt Busby had already done it virtually. Yeah, 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 Busby, yeah. babe. Yeah. But again, it seems to it be, be good though. You know, they, these academies do produce good football players, but they're just yeah. less likely to give them an opportunity, yeah. and they have to go out. I, listen, I, I I still like the loan system. I think it's been it's obviously done Harry Kane no no harm whatsoever. He's gone out and played a lot of games on loan. Well, I think it serves a good purpose. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, Luke Sullivan's just come back from Bishop Auckland, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. Luke had obviously been away for yeah. a couple of months. He was away for a month and then he yeah. got injured. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so that was a fitness thing. You've got to get out and get yourself some yeah. game time to even be have a chance of getting so back in our fitness. It's purpose in that. It does, it, it can't serve yeah. a purpose. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of going back to the, the subject we're talking about, Managers turning around and saying, "Oh look, we'll not give, get the kid out on loan. We'll dip him into the first team and let's have a look. Let's have a look at him." I just think this comes ultimately comes down to the pressure that they're under from the top. Yeah, yeah. And saying that, we've obviously got Foden at Man City, who's been dipped in. Um, there is there is the odd, odd yeah. individual, and yeah, but they are exceptions, aren't they? Mm, there yeah. are exceptions. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever disagree over anything that's crucial? To be honest with you, I don't think we disagree on a lot. At least I don't. I don't think we do. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> I think. I think we're kind of. We sometimes have to bat things about. That's the way to put it. We we'll have yeah. to. We we'll have to discuss why. Let's say we have a difference of opinion on team selection. Why mm. would that be? And we, we have to go to and fro sometimes, and explain reason. And then we'll generally come to a, a consensus. I mean, the, the, I think there was. There's been one occasion where we couldn't come to an agreement, and yeah. it, it was. It was kind of left to Martin Scott to. When he, when he was here to, to, well, yeah, not just again. Well, just I kind of have the final say, which is yeah, it was. It's like because again, you're not always going to agree on things. No, what player choice? Yeah, yeah. Just, just selection, selection, just yeah. selection. I'm trying to remember who was around. It was, around. It, was, it, was it was just it was difficult to choose that team because lots of lads deserved the, the chance to play in that game. Yeah, and obviously we we had a slight difference of opinion, that which is going to happen. That must be difficult for you because you've got an embarrassment of riches now, haven't you? I mean, no, no, there's one side of the one side of the spectrum is it gives you strength and depth. So mm-hmm. when you've got all yeah. these fixture backlogs and you're in different cups and all that sort of thing, that's when that comes in. But when they're all fit, you must try to rotate all the time, yeah. I think we rotated successfully, you know, yeah. this time last season because of the backlog that we had with all with the FA Vars running, yeah. all the cup runs. It was a need rather than a, than a choice. I think it it is it's that's one of the toughest challenges about getting that balance right, and that's why we're strong believers in kind of strong exponents, if you like, of of communicating with the players. I think we both played for managers, albeit at different levels, in the past. And I think if you speak to any player, they'll tell you that one of the things that's most annoying as a player is when if you're left out, or if you you know if you feel, or if you just generally feel like the the manager or the manager the management team within the football club are, are not communicating with you as a, yeah. as a player and you're kind of left to, to try and conjure up yeah. your own reasons and explanations inside your own head as to what, what's going on. So we always try and talk to the players. Whenever play. so, sometimes get not, not detrimental, but it gets in the way a little bit, doesn't it? Because we end up spending more time or as much time on the players who are not playing, explaining reasons, making sure they're okay. And then leaving ourselves a little bit short of time with the lads who are actually playing. Yeah. So, but it's the right thing to do. Because you, oh, you, sure you want to try and get quality and commitment off players throughout the whole season. Like Lee said, if you don't communicate to them, if you just keep them guessing, 
they'll just feel left out and just want to go. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, going back to the original point, I think people who haven't managed at a football club before look at maybe situations like what we've got at South Shields and think, oh, well, must be dead easy managing South Shields. But I think no matter what situation you're in as a, as a manager, there's always challenges and there's, you know, sometimes different types of challenges. And yes, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, in some respects, your, your life is not made easier by the fact that you've got strength and depth in terms of quality on in, within your squad but it does bring that that added challenge that you might not have otherwise around how do you keep that whole squad fully motivated you know fully engaged all pulling in the, in the same direction because everybody wants to play and it's, that's that's tough to manage so it's never it's never easy no matter no matter what situation no. you're in does it help though that there's actually two of you two of you to go to if somebody's got a problem I think so. Yeah. I think, again, in terms of um, how we divide our time as well, I mean, I think about how, how busy we are just generally. I almost kind of wonder, and sometimes when you're in, you know, if you get thrown into a situation, you, you just you just deal with it. But I sometimes wonder, well, if I was by myself or if Graham was by, by himself, then that'd be a really, really tough That's what I'm thinking. to I mean, manage. Times, you know what I, mean? I know. Most managers have assistant managers, so it's a sounding board, if nothing else. But you've got to carry the cameras on yeah. it. You must feel at times like bashing your head against a brick wall. Yeah, I, I think what me and Graham do is we, we support each other. We know, we know each other really well now, obviously, and, and I think there's been times where I've really needed Graham to put a, a, a different perspective on things yeah. because I might be internalising stuff or, yeah. or struggling with, with one or two things and, and, vi- and vice versa where you recognise that the other person's not 100% for whatever whatever reason and, and, mm. and you can kind of like say be a sounding board or, or be a voice of reason or to, to keep each other on an even keel and I think that's, that's invaluable I really mm. do Is there ever a point where I mean obviously you're dealing with players is there ever a time when you need to play a good cup bad cup with them is there one of you that's a bit more sympathetic? <laughs> we can both be. Yeah. We can both be the bad cop and both be the good cop. Yeah. It just depends on the situation. I mean, we've generally got a really good bunch of lads. They don't need many kind of kicks up the backside. And no, because they're motivated them themselves. Yeah, they yeah. You know, generally we'll deal with it just, just as men. Sit down and talk about things mm-hmm. and see if we can work out what's going on in their heads, what we can help with. Again, there's other situations where we both have agreed on and players who, who just don't fit at this football club mm. and it's just time to go. So it's that simple. You, either, you look at somebody, in, in our eyes, we look at somebody and go, we'll spend the time to work with them <coughs> to see if we can improve either their tackling understanding, their psychology, whatever it might be. And there's players you look at and just go, we're wasting more time. We see our main responsibilities around embodying the values and the, the ethics and the principles that we would just like the players to, to, take, to, on board. to take on board and embody yeah. themselves. And, you know, just a simple case of leading, leading by example. So we pride ourselves on working extremely hard. Then that, that gives you every right and, and no worries about demanding that the players work really hard as well. Again, it's one thing that if you speak to players, dealing with different managers, players hate managers who will do one thing and say you know, and say another thing, and, and you can't be in that situation because you lose players' trust, you lose players' um, buy-in with, with what you're trying to do. And I think we just generally try and facilitate an environment which gives the players the best possible chance for them to go and perform at their at their Succeed best. Best in level. the game. Yeah. So yeah. 
we make sure that the training's spot on. Yeah. You know, we, we always plan really well, deliver, you know, and demand really high standards in, in, in training. And just generally try and be as professional. Again, we do. I think a lot of people fall at the trap of the, the, the fall into the level that that, that that they're at, and we've never ever wanted to be like that. Because no disrespect, obviously, to, to, to South Shields where where they are, but it's not where where we want to be. Ultimately, it's not where the club wants to be. Ultimately, but if we pitched everything that we do at a, what you would class as like an Evo Stick North level, then you're going to get run of the mill Evo Stick North well, results yeah. and standards. Yeah. And that's not what we're looking for. We're you looking get another for another Northern League situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're looking to drive standards way above the level that we're playing at, and that will then hopefully evidence itself in the in the results that we get. And you know, hopefully that's the case. I get the impression from Jeff and everything that's been said and written since he took over, since the rebirth of Phoenix rising from the ashes, mm-hmm. if you could put it that way, that um, there's no limits to what the club's ambitions are. But in trying to achieve those ambitions, it's going to change in character. I mean, the thing that comes to mind is, at the moment, you've got a good squad of players, but as with everybody at this level, they've got full-time jobs, and it must be terrible, especially yeah. this time when you've got to fix your backlog to yeah. try and get everything organised. But um, once you go a bit higher up the pyramid, then you are going to have full-time players, I would imagine. So it comes easier from that point of view. But any players you develop from the academy, and I'm sure it will continue to work well and progress, you're going to get them poached away, aren't you? They're going to have to pay the money. Yeah. <laughs> so look, right, we don't want to become known as a, a club that develops players to sell on. No, we want to... We want to develop players to go into our first team and stay. But yeah, but you, obviously you can't stand in the way anyway, can you? If you we find can't stand in the way, but I think if we develop a product and environment that, that people love and they're getting paid well for, you know, yes, someone might come in and offer them this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And again, you just use all the cliches. Is the grass yeah. greener? You can go yeah. to a club. Yeah. You know, we see kids who we, who we go kind of look at it, 16-year-olds to bring it to the academy and they go away to professional environments and within three months they're done. Don't like it, not find it as well as I thought it was going to be. And I think if we provide, we make sure that this environment is is a great place to be. You're loving your football, you're getting paid well for what you're doing. Then the question always goes back to them. Yes, you might have an opportunity, but do you really want to leave? I think that's dependent on, on where we're at at the time as a football club. Look... If, if say, Sunderland came in for a player that we've got in our, in our academy, then, of course, he wouldn't stand in the way. And we, look, we've got great links. We've got a great relationship with, with mm. Sunderland. We'd like to think that clubs would, would do the right thing. We're obviously looking at how we can protect our investment, if you like, in terms of time and resources uh, in, into the players that we work with. We're looking at that at the moment. But we'd like to think that we could have an, an approach with the pro clubs where they say, well, look, we, haven't got, we might not have this amount of money to... To, to give to you up front but we'll give you X percent of a, of a sell-on clothes or wh- whatever it is just something that will compensate the football club here at South Shields for the, 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 the time and investment that they've put in, into those players and hey it's just a great endorsement for what we do if, if and when kids kids go on yeah. and, and you know hopefully achieve something something good in, 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 yeah. in the pro game obviously where we want to get to longer term as a club is we want to get to that that situation where instead of other clubs offering these young players professional contracts, we're in a position as a football club to offer them a professional, their first professional mm-hmm. contract. But there'll always be, I think we're not naive enough to think that we're going to bring four or five players into the first team and establish them as first team players every year because it, the maths just doesn't work. 
But we would like to get to a situation where, say, we're looking at a squad of 16 on a match day and we can maybe count seven or eight in total that have come through our academy, supplemented with seven or eight that we've, we've obviously brought in from elsewhere. I think that's definitely viable, something that we consciously striving towards. But it's always going to be dependent on, on where we're at as a club and what kind of office we're talking about. If, if a club comes along and says, well, look, we can't give, you know, we're, we're willing to offer £50,000 for, for this really bright young player that you've got. At the end of the day, we're a football club and we've got to make the, oh, yeah. we've got to make the, the, the books balance. It's and, a business, um, isn't it? So it's just about treating each one on an individual basis. And, but that's definitely our overarching goal, to, to get good representation within our first team squad of, of players that have come through the academy. Mm. And I think we've seen the first few steps towards that yeah. as well, haven't we, in the last yeah. few weeks? You know, it's been said by many, perhaps with a tinge of sour grapes, but it's said, well, you can do anything with money, Shields is a club with money, etc., etc., etc. To a certain extent, that's true, but it's a business, and it's what you do with that money that matters, isn't it? Can I just quickly throw this one in? Yeah. Okay. So, like I said before, of course it helps in some ways. Yeah. doesn't guarantee you anything, though. <coughs> if you look at, and I'm, we're not counting our chickens yet but touch wood if we get promoted this season which is a pretty good chance Darlington when they had their first season in Evo Stick North they didn't get promoted I bet they had the the best budget in that league that season Spennymore first season they were in Evo Stick North they didn't get promoted they definitely had the best budget in that league so it doesn't guarantee anything no I know I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here I understand Uh, um, Money, money creates its own problems Anyway, so you go into a smaller, let's say you go into a smaller budget that you haven't got as much money. The difference between your top earner and your, your bottom earner is small. So there's no real you animosity, there's no yeah. jealousy. Yeah. That, as you go up, obviously becomes bigger. But yeah. We obviously try and keep it the difference as small as possible, but naturally there's going to be a difference. That yeah. can create its own problems yeah. as well. Now, everybody, we're, we're fantastically well supported off a of football club, I fantastically know. well. But there is other clubs in our league who are fantastically well supported. Now mm-hmm. they would have everybody else think that they're not, but they are. It's just the fact that we're we're open on us and say, look, we've we've got a really healthy competitive budget, and everyone else just turns around and says, yes, our shields are paying far more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. I, th- I mean, I think what shields have also done as well is very clever because it, it, I mean, you you a football club, any business needs revenue. They need money coming through the gate. But they've got that with the the twelfth man, the crowds that mm-hmm. get here. But they've also developed these revenue streams as well. You know, all the gambling, the bingo and the lotto and all mm. that sort of thing, mm. but the marketing for the merchandise, and I just think they've Don't got... Don't talk to me about the bingo lottery. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Yeah, uh, you might stick up hard for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to But, um, no, the, the, the club is, is look. I think what Jeff's done, one of the clever <coughs> things Jeff's done is, is that... He's, he's obviously invested heavily in, in the club as a whole, but he's, he's set what our class is really solid. He's building really solid foundations. Mm. So it's dead easy to blow all your money or, oh, or yeah. beyond your means on the first team squad. Mm. And of course, we, you know, me and Graham work with a, a really healthy budget for, the, for this level of football. Like Graham said before, nobody's going nobody's to deny that. But what he's also heavily invested in is the, is the junior club, the foundation, um, the right, the right, pe- the facilities, the right people um, in and around the club that work here on on, on a daily basis. That we're all kind of working together 
things like the the, the Mortimer pro the Mortimer yeah. project, which is now going to be just the next you know the next piece of the jigsaw in terms of developing young young players for us. Um, obviously, Jamie Williams and West Brown are now on board full time at the football club to develop that and the junior section side of things. So, it, and and these are all good people who who know what they're doing, and we're all in full alignment with each other as to the vision that we have. All the pieces of the jigsaw come together and producing the results that we that we want across the board. So Jeff's Jeff's got proven business acumen. Oh, he yeah. wouldn't be where he is if, yeah. if that wasn't the case. And I think he's using some of that acumen to, to, to really good effect within the within the football club and he's got really exciting plans for, you know, the improvement of the facilities around Mariners Park. And I think it's just in, in an area of the of the country which is struggling for for many kind of good news stories in football. You look you look yeah. at the you look at what's going on at the likes of Sunderland, Hartlepool, York. You know the precarious nature of, of what's going on within those clubs. I think it's uh, this could be really this just could continue to grow. I think and grow. it's been begging for it for years. When the Premiership came in, it was very very different. And I just think they've lost the connect with the community. Yeah, you're right. The, you know, the connection, that's something that, you know, the, the kind of rhetoric that Jeff's used consistently since day one, since we've been at the club, has, has always been centred around community and connection. And that's why he's, you know, he's, he's invested into the, the foundation arm of the club, into the junior section of the club, into bringing in the right people to, you know, to take that to the next level as well. But yeah, but going back to your, your point about um, the, the, the football, you know, you yeah. talked about kick and rush. I think that's one of the things we're most proud of. You can have a massive budget and it might bring good players through the door. It doesn't guarantee what kind of football you're going to see. I mean, again, I'm not going to talk about other, other clubs in the North East that you might be able to think about <laughs> who've had good budgets. Mm. But, you know, we're proud of the fact that, yes, we've got a, a really strong winning record, very strong winning record, but we've also got We've developed a, a great reputation for the football that we play as well. And I, I defy anybody who says that we don't play as good, if not better, football than, than any club at our, at our level, certainly. And, mm. you know, maybe one or two above. You were at South Shields before Graham joined you, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. yeah. Were you with John King? Yes. Were you his assistant? Yes. Yeah. And then John King, I don't know the background to John King going, but was he sacked or was Yeah, he, Jeff he... made the decision to... To kind of part company with with John and, yeah. and asked if I'd like to take over the reins and to have anybody in mind and obviously then had a chat with Graham and going back to <coughs> our monk seating days even mm. even though kind of on paper I was the academy director if you like at monk seating mm-hmm. and Graham was my assistant it was always done on a on a, on a partnership basis mm. in terms in terms of the the day to day running of how how we did things so for me. Graham had obviously already established himself. You know, his, his managerial mm. record was fantastic at, at North Shield. So we, we had a, we had a conversation about it, and we just said, "Well, why don't we do it on a on a joint managerial basis?" And, mm. and uh, the rest is history. As I say. Some clubs don't sit in their programs. Don't seem to be able to cope with which one of those <laughs> manager. I mean, I actually noticed on the Athlone Colliery's Twitter page today that they've actually put. Um, I can understand. They're doing a double programme for tonight's game and there must the be cables, stop. I think, yeah. yeah. And they've got you as manager, so you're manager tonight. You're carrying the can, Graham. All right. Just doesn't mean anything to either of us. <laughs> it really doesn't. No. It's like... But it just seems strange that they just can't get a handle on it. Why not oh. put joint managers... I think it's a more common thing now than what it used to be. Well, yeah. Obviously, we talked about the Salford lads earlier on. Morpeth have had a joint managership and... 
But then again, they try and copy everything we do. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what, what people write in a programme, like. It, oh, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But there are some who would get upset about it. Do you know well, what I mean? You, you two obviously don't, but meaningless, isn't it? It's a cliche that you've got to get the dressing room right, but I don't think we saw how important it was. And when you know Leicester City's a famous example the way they, and they were clearly just having a ball out there on the pitch, and that comes across here. Do you think that's as important as getting the mechanics of it right? If you know what I mean? I get some of that in one sense. You can only play well if you're enjoying yourself. That's yeah. just my experience of the game. I only ever played well when I was enjoying myself. Yeah. The times where I wasn't enjoying, that was a waste of time. So we try again, going back to the environment we're trying to create is an environment where you can express yourself, you can enjoy yourself. Yeah. And the lads seem to, even outside of football, outside of the match and outside of training, you've got these daft things like the penalty challenges and that, you know, that mm-hmm. it just cries out, we're having a great time together. Yeah. Now, the cynic in me says that I might not always last. I'm at quite an age now where things are going cycles, so... I think the dressing room might be great now, but have you got a kind of a backup um, plan if it starts to go? Well, yeah, the, yeah. You identify what the What's reason, what the reason who who is the reason why it's uh, not so good anymore, and, and you move them on. So, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've literally got to be as as cutthroat as that. What we're really, well, we, I wouldn't say it's so much lucky. With it's because you know it ultimately boils down to your, your recruitment, but we've got. See, me and Graham just wouldn't tolerate any kind of bad apples in that in that dressing room. You know, we moved one or two on last last season. You know, we just weren't quite right. It goes back to like the standards and professionalism that we, that we're talking about before. It's yeah. mentality. That's what yeah. it's all about. And what we've got now in the squad is. You know the vast, vast majority of people in that in that squad have got the kind of mentality that we're looking for in terms of they hold themselves to the right standards. They want to improve. They want to work hard. They want to to be part of a successful team and, and recognise that it is a team game. Mm. So that that's like the be all and end all for us. So just set the rules and you step out of line. Then we'll talk about it. But you've got to step back into line, basically. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. You know, you look at last the players that moved on last season. Again, nice enough lads. Just mentality wasn't right. Just they weren't. They lost David Foley, Wayne Phillips. No, no, I'm not talking about the David. We lost because Dave, you know we would have 100% percent kept David. Yeah. Um, we lost David because he just received a financial offer from from yeah. Spennymore that yeah. was you know way above what we were prepared to go at the time. Uh, Wayne was more of a reasons Wayne cited to us. Um, we were happy to keep Wayne on board. Um, Wayne wasn't keen on the travelling, so he went to Morpeth. It's not a football club on the planet that retains the same yeah. roster for two, two, three seasons. You see a lot of managers and assistant managers, and you're thinking, mm. well, are they joint managers or? Well, for us, really, it's like there's no real difference. It's two people. There's a manager, assistant manager. Or there's two joint managers. There's no real. Is there really a? Do you know, do you know what I mean? There's still two. There's still two people. Oh, I know. I know it is. Yeah. But you don't actually see it called a joint manager. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's because we. I guess the balance of work, the balance of responsibility, is split fifty-fifty between yeah. between me between me and Graham. So, it is a joint managership in reality. I don't know. It's magic. 
<laughs> it's working. It works. It's working. It, it works. works. So don't knock it. It's working. Yeah. 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 It's, it's worked. You know, and obviously at a different level for seven years previous at Monk Seaton, we had a lot of success. Yeah. But a lot of those lads at Monk Seaton came through to play at Wembley for North Shields. Mm. You know, just success yeah. stories yeah. all the way along. And that's what we're trying to do with the academy here. Just more success stories, hopefully yeah. coming through in the first team. I'm so, sure. I'm sure it'll happen. It's certainly been a, an enjoyable. Well, we are now 20, 20 month or whatever it is. Uh, now. Again, you know, you know, you, you hear people all the time saying, "Oh, oh there's rumours going round about." <laughs> the rumours are brilliant. Did you and Graham apply for this job or, or that job, or did you <laughs> get asked about going <laughs> to this it, club? It could, it could be really. This is why we don't get involved. It could be really easy for when these rumours start for one of us or both of us to have. Twitter account and go and oh, refute yeah, yeah, and yeah, start yeah. arguing with people. Yeah. Like, you don't have, you don't have social on. media then. I don't have time for it. No, no. <laughs> time, inclination. Yeah. It becomes, a rumour becomes fact very, yeah, very quickly. Yeah. And we just end up laughing our heads off at some of the facts that come out. Like, it's hilarious. But the, the point I was trying to make, Terry, was that there is no inclination for us to look elsewhere, even if even it were, were to be at a, at a higher level. Because... Our ambitions, and we are ambitious, our ambitions are, are matched fully and wholly by Jeff's and the, and, mm. and the football clubs here, you know, and, and I think to be an integral and ongoing part of something that develops into hopefully what we see it developing into would be hugely satisfying. So there you have it, exciting times ahead. The future is not only bright, it's claret and blue. And I'm sure you'll agree that we're in good hands with Lee and Graham. So please let us have your reactions to and comments on what you've just heard. You can find All Things Mariners on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on their website, allthingsmariners.com, where you'll see details of any future podcasts. All Things Mariners is by the fans and for the fans. <laughs>